1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. homeshef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: Longtime listeners and everydayers here on the podcast know that I am bullish on BYU's chances of getting a six and six and spending the bowl season somewhere during this upcoming season. One national publication thinks that BYU will be sitting home during bowl season. Let's examine that. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Katz, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you, the thousands of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Appreciate all of your guys's patronage. Today's show our title sponsors are friends over at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com/slash/locked on college, and they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. We'll tell you a little bit more about them as today's show progresses. But let's dive right in. I thought it. Article came out on CBS Sports.com via one of the writers, Shihan Shah, Jayaraj, if I can get that word, get his name out of my mouth. He's actually a guy that we've had on my radio station a fair amount of times, but he went through and uh, took on a pretty big task. He's projecting the over under win totals and what he thinks is going to happen for the entirety of the Big 12 Conference. Now, that's no easy undertaking. Obviously, you have 14 teams and they're all going to be going head to head in certain circumstances against one another. So you're looking at over unders, and that's what kind of the premise of what his article was about. They had over-under win totals for each one of these teams. For example, Baylor was an over-under of 6.5 wins. Uh, UCF, 7 wins. Uh, Cincinnati, 5.5 wins. BYU, similar to some of their new conference mates coming into the conference, uh, like Cincinnati, was projected in this article with 5.5 wins, the over-under total. Obviously, if you're betting parlance, you either have to take BYU winning 6, or you think they win 5 or less. And Shehan Raja thinks that BYU is going to end up with just 4 wins on the season. Now, those of you, as I mentioned, who are l- longtime time listeners, everydayers with us here on the podcast, know that I am bullish on BYU's chances of getting to bowl eligibility, getting to 6 wins. And I believe getting to 6 wins would be a pretty major accomplishment all things considered, year one in the Big 12. Has BYU upgraded their talent via the transfer portal to a large degree? Yes, they have. They've have jettisoned a lot of the superfluous uh, bodies that were kind of jamming up the roster, and they've kind of gotten some of those guys out of the program and brought in a lot of new talent and have made way for what will hopefully be a better team in 2023. But according to Jay Araja, he thinks that BYU ends up with just four wins on the season. He does think that BYU starts out with a pretty good start to their season, beating Sam Houston and Southern Utah Utah. Those are their week one and week two opponents. Just uh, seventy four days away from the Sam Houston State game, as we sit on today's show. Then he thinks the following week they beat Southern Utah to get to two and zero. Then BYU goes to Arkansas. He thinks they lose there. Then he thinks they lose at Kansas, so they'd be two and two coming up on the final game of the month of September when they welcome in Cincinnati on a Friday night. He thinks BYU gets the win over Cincinnati but then he thinks there's a string of losses coming for the BYU football program. The only team he has BYU beating in the back half of the schedule as it were, the final two months I should say, of the season is the Texas Tech Red Raiders, one of the dark horses to win the entirety of the Big 12 Conference. He thinks BYU is going to go 4-8 and eight in their debut season. Now his analysis says this. The Cougars are an incredibly difficult team to place. BYU posted one of their worst defenses in the nation in 2022 and are bringing in defensive coordinator Jay Hill, who does not have a simple plug and play system. Offensively, the Cougars shift from talented prospect Jaron Hall to journeyman Keaton Slovis, a talented player who likely doesn't possess the same upside at quarterback. BYU coach Kalani Sitake has done a sensational job in Provo, Utah, and the home field advantage is one of the best in the new Big 12. With a fearsome home slate, will it matter? That's his analysis, and he thinks that the pick. to go under the 5.5 wins Uh, I can see where Shahan is coming from because obviously BYU's defense, they were horrendous during the 2022 season, but I think that the bodies they have brought in via the transfer portal, think of Jackson Cravens, uh, Isaiah Banyol on the defensive line alone. You add a guy like A.J. Pachon at, at linebacker, who is a very, very good player for Utah State, should bolster the middle of BYU's uh, defense, the spine, as it were. And then at corner, you've brought in two corners from Weber State, one of them in Eddie, uh, Eddie Heckard, who is an All-American and a fringe NFL draft prospect, prospect, as well as Camden Garrett, who have got the most familiar of almost anybody in this defense, you got to think that BYU is going to at least be better on defense just simply due to the influx of talent on that side of the football. Now, as he mentioned, he thinks that BYU shifts from talented prospect Jaron Hall to journeyman Keaton Slowis, a talented player who does not possess the same upside at quarterback. The outside perception is just that. They do not think that Keaton Slovis has the goods to deliver like a Zach Wilson, like a Jaron Hall for the BYU football program. and I'm fine with that outside perception of Keaton Slovis because I think it's well-founded considering the high watermark of his career came early on during his time at USC. But as he said on this very podcast, and he said to multiple people since then, Aaron Roderick is the first offensive coordinator that he actually committed to that he will finally play for. I can tell you this. There is a feeling within the BYU football staff that Keaton Slovis is going to have a resurgent season. He's going to be a guy that BYU can rely on at the quarterback position. We talked recently about Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl saying that Keaton Slovis was an NFL quarterback last year. Had he decided to come out during his loan, after his loan season, At Pitt, he would have been drafted, according to Jim Nagy. And Jim Nagy is evaluating NFL draft talent to bring down to the Senior Bowl. It's considered kind of the combine before the combine, as it were. So... There is a lot going for BYU, but the outside perception where Shahanja Raja is based in Texas might not necessarily show up as readily for a guy like that as he's doing his research on this. Now, I can see where he has BYU going four and eight. And he says that their home field advantage should give them some opportunities to bring some wins on teams. He has the four wins he does have are all home wins for BYU over M. Houston, Southern Utah, Cincinnati, and Texas Tech. You can't tell me, though, that West Virginia could be in full free fall mode by the time. BYU shows up there in early November. Does Neil Brown still have a job at that point? I think BYU could go in there and get a win there. I think Oklahoma State, depending on how Mike Gundy goes about uh, sabotaging himself at some at some points, uh, could be an interesting one. Kansas, yes, they're a very good team, but can you uh, surprise them early on in the Big Twelve schedule? Like, I look at the schedule, I see a multiple routes. To six wins for BYU. So I respectfully disagree with Shahan Araja. I don't think BYU is going four and eight. I can see why. He and others on the outside, from their perspective, would see BYU doing that. And maybe I'm getting all sunshine and rainbows blown at me by BYU's coaching staff when they feed me some intel on these guys. But at the same time, these are the same people who told me, keep an eye on Jaron Hall. He's just as good as Zach Wilson and can lead us to the same type of production if he stays healthy. Now, Jaron did not stay healthy his entire time at BYU, but he is in the NFL now. Zach Wilson, they said multiple times, hey, watch out for Zach. He has got the goods to be one of the Great quarterbacks. Uh, we had uh, the famous quote from Dylan Colley after that famous Idaho Potato Bowl. He thought that Zach Wilson would go down and was one of the all timers of BYU football history and led them to that pretty magical season during 2020. So they've had a good run of quarterbacks and they're staking the reputation, speaking most uh, notably of a guy like Aaron Roderick and Fessy Satake, to agree, as well as Kalani Satake as the head man in charge. They're staking a lot of their pedigree on a guy like Keaton Slovis. They believe he can deliver the goods. He was the guy that they had number one one on their wish list in terms of quarterbacks to bring in via the transfer portal. Now, there are other quarterbacks that may have popped up in the portal after they went about their uh, portal recruiting with regards to quarterbacks that they may have uh, looked further into. But at the time, Keaton Slovis was far and away their number one target, and they are very, very happy to have him in the fold. The history suggests, when you look at BYU football's history, over the past 50-plus years, essentially go back to the start of the Lavelle Edwards era, so 51 years ago, give or take, you look at the history, and when BYU has a standout quarterback, we're talking a guy who has got the goods to deliver on the football field, maybe an All-American, maybe a fringe NFL prospect, or in certain circumstances, like a Jim McMahon or a Steve Young, a bona fide NFL guy, an NFL stud, When they've had those quarterbacks who are good, when those quarterbacks stay healthy, good seasons seem to follow BYU. Now... The level of competition this year for BYU has gone up significantly. It's unlike anything any BYU team over those past 51 years has ever faced. BYU will play 10 straight Power 5 opponents. It's going to take its toll on this roster. Kalani Sitake and his staff understand that they need to upgrade the talent base overall in their football program. It's going to take some time to come up with that quote-unquote quality depth, but as they have worked this offseason, they have tried to build it up as much as possible. Will it be able to withstand and the rigors and the challenges that this Power 5 schedule is going to lay upon them only time will tell, but I would respectfully disagree with Shahanja Araja. I think the floor for BYU personally is five wins at minimum. I think the ceiling for BYU, if everything, like let's say all the things bounce their way, they have a breakout season from a guy like Keaton slowis Aiden Robbins ends up becoming the stud running back who rushes for a thousand plus yards. The defense is better than advertised. I think like an eight and four is probably the ceiling for BYU, and that would be an absolutely marvelous debut season for BYU. So that's kind of where I think BYU. BYU. BYU is going to reside. It's between that five and eight win mark. But I think that six wins is a very real possibility. And frankly, I'm banking on BYU going to the bowl season. I'd love nothing more than to go go to some of these bowl games which are a far cry from what BYU played in years ago. I know that the Independence Bowl followed BYU into the Big 12 Conference and there is a chance they could end up playing in Shreveport once again. But nonetheless... The overall bowl selection process and the overall caliber of bowl games that the Big 12 has access to blows everything, by and large, that BYU ever played during their independent era out of the water. And even going back to their Mountain West era, there's been nothing like it. And I think that getting a six wins would very much be a a good season. I I would consider it a pretty solid season overall for BYU. Now, not every season is in the same way. Maybe BYU starts out the season Uh, flaming hot, four and one out of the gates. You're thinking, wow, what could they accomplish And the back half? is just an abject failure. Stuff like that happens, or maybe they start out slow, surprisingly, and it gets stronger as the season goes on. No season is written or scripted or plays out the same way as any other one. They're all independent of one another and, I'm interested to see what happens, but I do think, I still believe that 6-6, and that's kind of the benchmark for success from my perspective. I I welcome your guys' thoughts on this. I've solicited them in the past, and if you guys have thoughts on what you think it's going to take for BYU players uh, to get to that win level, I'd love nothing more than to hear your insights on that, and we'll probably use them for a future edition of the podcast talking about it. But take it for what it's worth, CBS Sports thinks that BYU is going to sink a little bit more than they're going to swim year one in the Big 12. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to flip over and talk a little bit about BYU recruiting. A Big name prospect visited BYU over the weekend and had some very positive things to say about the Cougars. We'll talk about that here momentarily. First a word on our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and, get, and your leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I can attest this because they sent me two pairs of my own. The best part is they're designed to make you look good. Who doesn't want to look good when they're walking around? Bird Dogs, that's their goal. They do the exact same thing as a Lululemon but fit way better, but more importantly, they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton. They have fixed that issue by inventing what they call cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you can get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice all the movement that you desire. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long as well. And the best part is you can get a free gift with any free one of your orders. So go to BirdDogs.com for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Once again, go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnCollege to get that free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you
1: it's kubota orange day shop the years of best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the usa and now through june 30 get zero percent apr for 84 months or up to thirty three hundred dollars off select compact tractors see the details at kubota your family your land and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
0: Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast coming up on tomorrow's show. It's a big weekend ahead for BYU on the recruiting front. We're going to welcome in Brian Smith, our recruiting uh, analyst and expert for the Locked On Podcast Network to talk about guys like Reiner Swanson who recently committed or get his thoughts on that commitment as well as guys who are slated to visit this weekend. Falatao Satuala, Davis Andrews, uh, the guys who are coming in. This will be, I think, it's the final weekend you can have official visits during the summer. Period and BYU will be looking to take full advantage of that and have a pretty strong visiting class. And we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's podcast. All right. Uh, big tip of the cap, by the way, 24 7 sports. Jeff Hansen and the crew over there. Uh, Ignacio Tupo visited BYU over this past weekend, and he's a fairly high level prospect out of the Palo Alto area. Of course, that's Stanford territory. But what I love about a guy like this is uh, Tupo has got all the size to be a great offensive lineman. Listed at 6'6, a smelt 287 pounds. And you watch his film, and he moves very, very well for a guy that tall as an offensive lineman. He projects as an offensive tackle at the next level and he's got a number of high-level offers. He has visited BYU me, He visited BYU this past weekend, but he's already visited other universities like Arizona, Utah, and then he's expected to visit Washington this week. What I loved about the reports coming out of his visit to BYU is that Jeff Hansen wrote about this, saying that Ignacio Tupo, it sounds like to me he was coming to BYU more out of, a, I guess, a respect for his uncle, as I found out. that was Sione Puja, who's BYU's defensive tackles coach, is Isaiah Tupo's uncle as he acknowledges, but he said that BYU made a big, big impression on this young man. He says, quote, honestly, BYU has entered the top list that I had, Tupo uh, told Cougar Sports Insider. I had a great time there getting to know the staff as well as the team. I was lucky enough to spend more time than usual with everyone because I was the only visitor this past weekend. I also had family on the team as well as uh, on the coaching staff. My uncle, Coach Sione Pua, coaches the D-line, and Head Coach Kalani Sitake is also a close family member who, who is an uncle to me. That's a positive sign folks cuz like I said tupo didn't necessarily have BYU on his list uh, I guess the short list if you believe if you take about his word going into that visit. Uh, I talked about this on the Monday edition of the podcast. BYU needs to take full advantage of their abilities as a Power 5 program to go out and sell themselves to athletes of this caliber. You can do no worse than to go out and toss your hat into the ring and see what happens. There were years past, and I understand why they did it. BYU, frankly, would just not recruit certain guys. Now, in the circumstance with a guy like Harrison Taggart, which the uh, Deseret News did a great piece on him over the weekend where he said that BYU just frankly ignored him in the recruiting process, that can't happen. You at least need to make some uh, inquiry or make some contact with the young man to gauge their interest before you decide to wholesale that you're not going to recruit the kid. Uh, that that That's an issue in, of, in and of itself. But if the early returns, uh, like the feedback you're getting back from the athlete themselves, the family, his high school coach, et cetera, is just not favorable, I could understand in the past why BYU would have said, you know what, that, uh, they thanks but no thanks, we're going to move on and see what, what else we can find. Now, the the entire thing has changed. I think Ignacio Tupo is one of those guys, uh, and I don't have any way of quantifying this, and maybe if I can get him on the podcast we can ask him this, uh, that in years past probably just simply ignores BYU. He's looking to play at a higher level of football. He wants to play Power 5 football and BYU, as much as they tried and tried to sell it as such, they were just simply not a Power 5 program. That has changed. A week from Saturday, BYU will officially it's all signed, sealed, and delivered. They'll have that rubber stamp. They are a Power 5 football program. The nice part is in the recruiting sphere, BYU's already been operating as that. They've used the transfer portal to great effect this past offseason. They're throwing their hat into more and more races for high-level prospects than they ever have before. And in this Case Ignacio Tupo is a high-level three-star prospect per 24/7 Sports. The composite rating has him rated slightly lower than the they have them, what they have him rated for uh, the overall ranking on 24/7 Sports. But this is a kid who I think would be a phenomenal guy for BYU to land. The best part is BYU right now is on a phenomenal run of offensive tackles. Think about it. Uh, Brady uh, Christensen going to the Carolina Panthers. Blake Freeland to the Indianapolis Colts. We're hearing all of the uh, hubbub and the fire and the smoke, all the different things about a guy like Kingsley Sulamataia being a first-round draft pick next year. There's no better way to sell a kid on his future and sell him on your program than to show guys, three of which I've just mentioned, that play his potential uh, position in your program and say all three of those guys are or will be in the NFL this time next year. Why don't you come in and be the next guy? Why don't you have next at that offensive tackle spot? That's got to be a huge selling point for a guy like Ikenacio Tupo. So i got to tip my camp to uh, Daryl Funk, Aaron Roderick, Kalani Sitake. Uh, In this case, Sione Bua, even though he coaches the defensive side of the football, obviously being a uh, a family member and being related to a guy like uh, Tupo would be a huge, huge deal. And I think this would be a very, very nice pickup for BYU if they can win out in the end. Do they win out in the end? Who knows? Because uh, it's not going to be easy to beat Arizona and Utah, who he's got, Family already on that program as well. Washington, like, there are a number of high-level programs in the Pac-12 BYU is going head-to-head with for a guy like Tupo, But, hey – All you can do is get in there and have a chance at it. And it sounds like to me that BYU may be in that finalist group uh, coming up here if he ever releases one. I'm interested to see what happens after this visit to Washington uh, in the 24-7 sports article on Cougar Sports Insider. He is nearing the end of his decision-making process, so the timing for BYU to get into the thick of the conversation couldn't be better. But, of course, you got to continue to sell this. But the one thing I've liked about BYU's staff, especially on the offensive side of the football with guys like Aaron Roddick, is they are relentless in recruiting. They don't give up. They just they get after it. And they, they it's a thankless job in so many ways because you put in so many hours in so many circumstances for so little return. But when you do, when it does pay off, it can be a big, big difference for the BYU football program. And a guy like Ignacio Tupo would be a monster, monster get for the BYU Cougars. All right. Uh, Coming up here in just a minute, we'll continue our look back at all 155 games that BYU has played in their independent era. We have made it out of the slog and the muck and the filth that was the 2017 season. We now look ahead to a brighter future in 2018. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to get to your dream home, Perry Homes has the home for you, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes is in Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs, but more importantly, they've got different ways that you guys can be taken care of. Multiple communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, no matter where you want to live, along the Wasatch Front or beyond, but also they have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well right now. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories of townhomes as well. They even have quick move homes available if you're ready to get on the move right away they can get you moved in pretty quick and the best part is they're offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender right now as well there's nothing better than that obviously having that uh, to back you guys up considering how crazy interest rates have gotten so visit perryhomesutah.com to see what's new in utah's finest neighborhoods that's perryhomesutah.com to learn more now for 50 years utah has been coming home to perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Want to encourage you if you've not done so already, get ready for this week's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA mock draft. It's a special series uh, covering six episodes of all the picks in the first round of the NBA draft. All episodes are available now on the Locked On NBA Big Board channel on YouTube or wherever. You get your podcast. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit more about what's going on in BYU's independent era. As we look back at all 155 games in their independent era. Now, I need to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, when I mapped this out uh, the start of this project, 155 games over a 200-and-some-odd-plus uh, offseason. didn't seem like that daunting of a challenge. Well, here's the thing. We've made it to the 2018 season. we got to get through the 2022 season, and we've got 74 days before we get there. So we're going to pick up the pace a little bit. We're actually going to cover two games today to start off the 2018 season. Now, many of you might recall uh, during the 2018, 2017-2018 uh, offseason, BYU signed a quarterback out of Corner Canyon High School by the name of Zach Wilson. Now, this is a kid who had grown up, a Utah fan, died in the wool. His dad played for Utah, uh, Utah family through and through. But BYU came in late in the process after Utah had ignored him, and he had actually previously committed to Boise State, and Kalani Satake, Jeff Grimes, and Aaron Roderick, the new brain trust on BYU's offense, went and sold Zach Hart on him being the future for BYU at the quarterback position. Well, I think we can all look back at that and say that was a pretty fortuitous decision to get that kid into the program and a great decision on his part in his own right. Well, the 2018 season, though, started out uh, innocuous enough. BYU was going to face off against Arizona. It was part of their deal. They would play these games uh, in different areas to take on the Arizona Wildcats. Kevin Sumlin had been hired during the offseason, and the thought was that Kevin Sumlin after what he had done with uh, uh, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, is that he could get Khalil Tate, if you remember that name, just absolutely flying. He was a dark horse Heisman, trophy contender in most people's eyes. Well, BYU went into that game against Arizona, had a fantastic game plan to slow down Khalil Tate. Ended up with uh, 17-34 for 197 yards. Never really started uh, torching BYU all that much in this game. His uh, rushing ability really was neutered by BYU, just eight carries for uh, 14 yards. Tanner Mangum was solid, uh, coming off a, an Achilles tear at the middle midway point, actually past the midway point of the 2017 season. He'd healed up, started for BYU under center once again after winning the job in fall camp over guys like Zach Wilson. Finished 18-28 for one touchdown, but more importantly, Squally Canada added a hat trick of short touchdown runs uh, on 98 total yards rushing, and BYU got out of there with a 28-23 to 23 victory to start the season. That's obviously a great win to start the year, especially considering how poorly the 2017 season had begun. I remember thinking about this game, I'm like, okay, I don't know necessarily what to think of BYU they should be a better team than they were during the 2020 uh excuse me the 2017 season but I couldn't guarantee anything and BYU got that win it was a road win and BYU, I was like okay maybe we always got BYU's got a little more juice maybe they learned their lesson from the 2017 season well as we would come to find out over the first a uh, couple of years under Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick's uh Tutelage for BYU's offense. It was never going to go completely smoothly, and the following week, that was uh, the I think the first lesson of that when BYU welcomed Cal to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Now, uh, we talked about Cal a couple of weeks ago when we wrapped up uh, the twenty was it the twenty sixteen season when BYU went out to Cal and won that game and uh, denied them getting to bowl eligibility. Well, the Bears got a little bit of a revenge factor going into this game. Uh, Chase Garbers was the starting quarterback for the Bears in this game. Justin Wilcox, if I'm not mistaken, was his first uh, season. In charge of, of uh, the Cal Golden Bears, maybe a second season, but nonetheless, Chase Garbers gets the start, two touchdowns in the win as Cal edged BYU twenty-one to eighteen. BYU uh, kind of tried to follow the same formula it felt like that they had done against uh, Arizona, albeit without a guy like Khalil Tate in the lineup. But BYU just offense got stuck in neutral so many times during this game. Uh, Mayhem finished twenty-two of forty-one for one hundred ninety-six yards, one touchdown, but two very critical interceptions. In this game, Squally Canada, a week after having those three touchdowns and nearly 100 yards, was held to just 49 total yards in this game. It just it wasn't going the way the BYU envisioned it uh, two weeks into the season. Now BYU was stymied to the tune of 91 yards total rushing, and that would be a big part of BYU's success over the next couple of seasons. When they ran the ball effectively, typically BYU is going to go out and win football games. When they did not, that's when they struggled. So. Uh, the, the formula held true, but we just didn't know it at that time. Now, Diane gonwoloku or Diane Lake at the time had a very, very nice performance in this game. Two fumble recoveries uh, to keep BYU in this game. It kind of was the early uh, years of guys like him and Kainakua being these standout players for BYU in their defensive secondary, but unfortunately, BYU off to a one-on-one start. And there were so many questions after BYU lost to Cal, and uh, the way the offense just looked like it was just mired in quagmire... Uh, It was just kind of stuck in Quagmire, I should say. Well, they were going to face off against number 5 Wisconsin the following week, and boy, do I have a story for you guys about that game and my coverage of it, and obviously we all know what happened in that game that we will get to on Tomorrow's a podcast. All right, so there you go. You are caught up on everything going on in BYU Sports here on a Tuesday. Uh, If anything pops up between now and then, of course, we'll catch up on it uh, tomorrow and beyond. But that's why we encourage you guys, every single one of you, please be everydayers with us here on the podcast. If you've not done so already, we are giving away that signed Jaron Hall football uh, as well as as other BYU swag. Uh, Send us an email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com, with the email address is the email address to send that into. Show us video or photographic evidence that you've subscribed to channels, whether it's the regular podcast feeds on YouTube. would encourage you, if you've not done so, to subscribe on YouTube even if you want to listen to it on your regular podcast feed, but we'll give away that swag coming up later this summer, and I love, would love nothing more than to have you guys in the running for that. A, a, a number of you have already entered. I would venture it's probably close to 100 entrants already, but hey, the more the merrier. And a big thank you for all of your support of the podcast as always. Once again, thank you for making us your first listen and thank you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast on an every single day basis. Hope you guys are all doing well. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.
1: The NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College basketball will give you the edge you need